0: So thank you for joining us for another episode, where today we are excited to be joined from across the channel. Uh, We've got Alice Watson-Smith. Thank you very much for joining us, Alice.
1: Thank you, Holly. I'm delighted to be here with you both today to have a
0: chat. So just to introduce you a little bit, Alice is um, an award-winning estate agent from across the seas in France in the French Riviera you're based aren't you?
1: I am indeed in Cannes specifically with the office and covering the French Riviera yes.
0: Amazing and I always see your photos and always so jealous all of your videos and everything it does look amazing but we're not just here to lust over your properties and your area we are here to talk about the market. And we particularly, Ian, we want to make some comparisons, don't we, to the UK market and to UK practices as well um, to kind of learn more about the French French real
2: estate. 100%, because there's so much mystique with it from an English perspective or a UK perspective. We think that because, because it's international, you're a different country, it must be so very different. And that actually might actually t- prove to be the case. This is what we're going to discover today.
1: <laughs> I think it might prove to be the case, Ian. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yours, might, totally.
2: yours might be better. Ours is worse. We might all change.
0: <laughs> or
1: potentially the opposite. You just never know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hopefully, we'll all learn something from this episode. Uh, first off, as we do with all of our guests, I want to learn a little bit more about you, Alice. Uh, so you are Managing Director at Fine and Country French Riviera. Although, as we said just before we came on this call, you do just about everything within the, within the business. So where did you come from? How did it all start in Property for you? So I
1: have been fine in country on the French Riviera for 10 years just a little bit more actually about 10 and a half years um started without a single mandate uh, at all and grew it from there. but before that I'm people might have already guessed from my accent I am not French nor am I English. <laughs> I'm actually Zimbabwean originally, born and bred Zimbabwean. And then lived in South Africa in Cape Town for a good 10 years. And in actual fact, my real estate career started in South Africa at the age of 21. I was a whippersnapper Mm -hmm. uh, starting in real estate in South Africa. So my training um, is in South Africa, about four years in Cape Town in an area called the City Bowl for those that know just below Table Mountain. So a lovely area in Cape Town. And then brought that training and that background to the south of France, where we opened up as a family, the fine and country office, and realized that real estate in South Africa is also very different from real estate in France, which I think we're about to discover about the differences of real estate in France and England. So. So it was a learning curve. It was a learning curve.
2: A bit of a bit of a shock to the system. Weather's quite similar, I would have thought. That's, so that's one plus. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Weather's quite similar. There are yeah. palm trees and beaches in both Cape Town <laughs> and Can. But yes, otherwise, when it comes to real estate, I think potentially um. It, Cape Town is maybe even more like the UK than France is to
2: either of them. So Um, is South Africa a um, buyer-led market or a seller-led market?
1: Well, South Africa... I guess it's taking it a step back from that is, or, and especially in Cape town for me where I was working is a first homes market, which is, I think the difference to what we deal with here in the South of France yeah. is, you know, you're you're dealing with families and people that actually really need to move, you know, for whatever reasons there. And it, so it's a different market entirely to work in as a real estate agent. And I think it's much more the case in the UK dealing with, um, you know, um people buying their residences, their primary residences, whether it's yeah. their first purchase or not, versus us in Cannes on the French Riviera, where primarily, probably I would go with eighty to ninety percent of our sales are secondary homes, yeah. secondary homes and investment properties. And I think that's what really marks the difference. Um, yeah.
2: Interesting. I'll ask a question around taxation in a minute. Yes. So, um, how how does it work in in France? And it, uh, so you use the word mandate? Yes. Uh, you started with no mandate, so we would call that no no instructions, no sole agencies. But you can have a sole mandate. Um, is that how, how how does agency work traditionally in France? And have you mixed it up a bit yourself?
1: I would say I have a bit. So. Okay. Traditionally in France, the idea of a sole mandate, so an, uh, an exclusive instruction, I guess you would call yeah. it in the in the UK, is quite foreign. It's really not something that uh was part of the, the culture in France.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh we that was very different for me because in Cape Town, uh, when I was working there, we worked only on sole mandates. So we would have about eight sole mandates at one time and sell them get one more on etc so it was much much more methodical in that sense yeah here in france we work on open simple mandates predominantly the market is based around that but as a team and as an agency we have for the last five or six years because it's what my training is and where and and i just so believe in the the concept of an exclusive or sole mandate it makes far more sense for a billion different reasons which i won't yeah. go into now um but we're really working on increasing our number and proportion of of sole exclusive mandates, which we're doing successfully, yeah. um, and it's working. and And it is something that more and more of the agents, especially in places like Can, where we have more international clients anyway, are really are, are really focusing on. So the market here is changing around the the um. The kind of preconceived ideas around sole and exclusive mandates are slowly, slowly changing.
2: Okay, so just for for our listeners um, to clarify, so standard French agency is a multi-listing environment where a customer chooses one agent, so Alice uh, Watson Smith, to come and take the photographs and do the floor plan and measurements and details, etc. You charge them a percentage. We'll go into that in a minute. But then, it's, but then you share it with every other agent. So so you can, Mackenzie and co along hmm. the road could come to you and Alice and say, Alice, I've got um, Holly coming over from the UK and she wants to buy a property and can I buy the, the house that you've got on the market? So you effectively multi-list traditionally. Is that how it works?
1: So it's actually different to that in that it's simple mandates. So the seller in France traditionally will give two, three, four, five, six agencies a mandate. And whichever agency sells first, sells. The wow. seller puts his price, the agency puts whatever commission they want on top and the seller doesn't re- really, in inverted commas, care. Um. So different prices, different photos, different agencies, it's a minefield. So for wow. international buyers specifically, it re- I mean, it's really confusing um, or was. it? It is a system that's changing and we're actively trying to change it. And I mean, we don't work like that but it is a system that was ingrained in that way. So what you're talking about Ian, we actually do. So we take the sole mandate or exclusive listing and still share it with other agencies, but they are obliged to pass uh, through us as the sole mandate holder. And then we share on a co-agency basis, a little bit like the American system, I think. It's more American kind of buyer's agent, seller's agent.
2: Okay. So I didn't actually know that the agents in France, again, were too mainstream, not what you guys Mm. do could could add an additional bit to the price, which means that they get more commission. That's quite interesting.
1: They can. They can. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, it is regulated in that you have to, as an agency, state on your website, on your, you know, in any marketing you do, your the commission you charge. And you okay. cannot charge more than that.
2: Interesting. So you guys, um, under the Fine Country um, brand, which is a brilliant brand, as we all know, you're pressing for the sole agency mandate more and more and more because you, your, your argument is if we've got the best marketing, the best network around the globe mm. uh, and the best individuals, we will get you the best price so you don't need to go anywhere else. Is that pretty much right?
1: Absolutely correct and we don't and the other the flip side of it is you know I think the the concept and the the reason why a lot of sellers don't want to give the exclusive mandate is because they feel like the agency is going to keep it to themselves which yeah. is actually completely the opposite. So as an example, I have a beautiful exclusive listing at the moment of a, a lovely stone Bastide. I'm doing an open house next week for on Thursday and I've invited, I think we've invited 20 or 25 different agencies in the area. so we welcome them, we all have coffee, they look around the house and then they can go away and propose it to their buyers. Right. and we represent the seller. so very sensible. Yeah, exactly. So the seller doesn't feel like we're kind of taking the whole pie and holding it for us.
2: Yeah. Um, Is uh, agency in France regulated? Do you have to have a formal qualification?
1: It is indeed. And it's quite highly regulated. So for each agency, operating agency, we have to have what's called a carte professionnelle. Mm -hmm. So there is one carte professionnelle holder, professional card holder per agency I for example am that person and you have to have a certain level of education or experience as a manager in a real estate agency before being able to qualify for the card mm-hmm. and then the agents underneath that card so that's an it's like an umbrella system mm-hmm. have to have their own cards which is if they, they will they will get they have to provide certain documents but there's no exa- exam or anything to get that card okay. however they do have to do a certain number of hours of formal training every three years so every three years there's 42 hours of formal training that an agent has to do within each agency um for basically for me to be able to renew my professional card every three years
2: wow and that's and, uh, and sorry to go back over but that's very similar in south africa isn't it it's, it's uh it is regulated and the principal needs to have the principal card hold for
1: the exactly president.
2: Exactly really that is interesting um, and does that mean that the profession in France is held in higher esteem uh, by your customers and the general public do you think?
1: I probably don't think they even know what the system is. so yeah. maybe but I'm doubtful I'm doubtful clients uh, be it buyers or sellers actually know what we do that we do have to comply to all these rules we do have to fulfill training etc I mean we don't necessarily talk to them about it so good question Ian and um, I, I might start I might start telling people
2: <laughs> yeah I mean I know it's, I know it's a uh, very small thing but um, I run the guild as you as you know yes. and the guild members take an exam called the associate scheme which has been checked by Cambridgeshire trading standards and as a consequence of that any member that takes uh, the exam on a yearly basis can get a photo ID card given to them and, and they're turning up on appointments with a photo ID card saying here I am Ian McKenzie from McKenzie and Co yeah. and this is to prove I've been trained to Cambridgeshire trading standards okay. um, level and and it's the general public resonate with it they like it so maybe Absolutely. maybe your qualifications is something that is taken for granted but isn't uh, shouldn't be necessarily I don't know um, but, i'm really interested around the second property uh, 80 to 90 percent of your transactions are second homes yeah um do you do the french government levy any additional tax or charge on a second home ownership
1: so yes and no in that uh there's a there's a particular it's like the you utilities tax if you will uh, i forget what you call it in the uk there's land tax and then and um basically for refuse and lights and council
2: council tax, yeah. tax
1: okay yeah. so in france that's called tax or habitation tax and that has been removed for first home owners so okay. second owners still pay it but it's not it's it's not a massive amount i mean it's a you know for a Nice villa in the area. It'll be a few thousand euros uh, per year. So it's not it's not a massive amount. So that is in place for second home owners. Uh, they do have to pay. A lot of second home owners in the south of France will rent the property yeah. on short-term basis because there's very high rental yields, both for summer and Congress rentals. Yeah. So, of course, then there's um, income tax on the rentals, payable in France. Okay. But again, it's not... It ends up being around about ten percent of the rental income, so it's not a massive amount. And then the next one is impôt sur la fortune, which is a fortune tax, but that applies to everybody. It's not only for second homes; it's for primary residences. That's
2: when you sell. That's when you sell. You pay a a percentage of profit.
1: No, that would be the capital gains tax. So, exactly. So, we'll get to the capital gains tax. So. The, this is the fortune tax. It's for prop for property ownership over one point three million. If it's okay. not, if there are no bank loans in place, okay. uh, capital gains tax is not payable on first homes. It is payable so on primary residences. You do not pay a capital gains tax yeah. on secondary residences. You do so. You're referring to that, and then yes, it is applicable.
2: Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, already it's saying to me that um, we're going to get on to people that want to buy. Uh, in Cannes and the south of France at the moment. If you want some advice, you need to go and talk to Alice, guys, because With it's pleasure. more complicated, more complicated <laughs> than we realise. So that's good. What um what are the average fees that you would charge a seller, and do you charge buyers?
1: So our average fee is six percent inclusive of VAT. Yeah. I know that in the UK that sounds astronomical. It does. Um. Very envious. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I would say is I think the UK is, um in relation to all other countries we could think of right now in the world, the lowest. Uh-huh. You know, in South Africa, it's about 7% the agency fees. I know Portugal, Spain, Hong Kong, Australia, we're all around about five, six, seven. 6, yeah. um, So it is pretty industry standard, perhaps outside of the UK. Which yeah. is worth worth bearing in mind. And yeah, we we generally stick to our six percent, and that is paid for by the seller. It's included in the asking price. Okay. Buyers do sometimes pay the agency fees, but that's a whole different kind of discussion and it's it's a more complicated route to take. So we generally only do sellers paying the agency fees, that's included in the marketing price. Yeah. because buyers then pay the notary fees and transfer duties, which is paid above purchase price. So essentially each party has their uh, their portion of fees to pay.
2: Okay, that's the next, you can see that's gonna be the next question. So, um, and I know that you deal in the upper quartile, you've got some beautiful, beautiful properties that, uh, that I've seen you market, and your marketing I have to say is world-class. Um, Thank you. Well, it's it's true. Tell the truth. Tell the truth when you see it. Um, (laughs) So, what what is the how do the notary fees work? Is it a percentage of sale price? Is it a fixed price? What's
1: correct? So, it is government standardised. Okay. We call it notary fees uh, generically, but it's actually not only notary fees that envelops uh, transfer duties, stamp duties, uh, taxes as well as the notary fees. And it's around about, somewhere around about 7.2, 7.3% over and above uh, purchase price. So, it, and it is standardized because, uh, by the French government.
2: Okay, interesting. So moving home is a big commitment, isn't it? For people financially, you know, there's- It is. Some, there's some lumpy fees to pay it on either side of the equation.
1: Yes absolutely when buying and selling there are yes
2: and do you think that as a consequence of that that the service that is offered to buyers and sellers improves
1: i would like to say yes certainly within these four walls yes (laughs) um i mean it's it's a different process i think to the uk as well as agents um in the south of france you know the the time lag between listing a property and selling a property is, is much shorter now than it was say before COVID. I think right. we've all seen the same, uh, but it is much longer generally than a first homes market, which turns much quicker. So our, our sale process is already longer in terms of the marketing. And then from the point of sale or agreement of sale to conclusion is around about three months, uh, There is an awful lot of regulatory things to go through during that time, which which we need to take care of. So there's a lot of administrative work going on during what could be a minimum of six months for each property that we take on. If we take, say, three months for marketing as being a good good amount of time within which to sell the property if it's priced right, Right. and then three months for, for the sale process.
2: And do you, the agents, conduct some of the conveyancing or the legalities after, after sale agrees?
1: So we assist with it. Yeah. We don't, uh, it it really goes to the notary because there are two sale agreements in France. So once you've signed an offer to purchase, which one does with the agency, yes, yeah. basic agreement of terms, it all goes to the notary because that pre sale agreement that the notary will put together is is very, very heavy in terms of what's required for it. I mean, all the reports, all the all the possible documentation. So a buyer is very, very much protected. They will have everything before they per- they sign the pre-sale agreement. Yeah. What it means is it's also very legally heavy in inverted commerce. Um, and so that is always done by the notary but we're the ones gathering generally all of the documentation that the notary needs to be able to sign that pre-sale agreement. Okay. The three months pass and then the Act vente, which is the final sale agreement, is a recap of the pre-sale agreement. Okay. So in actual fact, everything's done by the beginning, all the information predominantly is there. I mean, there are then checks that happen in the remaining three months with regards to any outstanding debts on the properties, previous owners, servitude. servitude. In general, um, the Act devant is is almost a recap of the, the, the first sale agreement.
2: Yeah. So, um, big, high-level stuff. So, currently, it's a um, buyer's-led market in that sellers instruct multiple agents. And so, agents' focus isn't quite so much on... Uh, and it, I said... It is changing. So I can see that the the model is changing from talking to Alice. But historically, it's been a buyer's led um, marketplace where sellers instruct multi agents and then they chase for the buyer. So the buyer arguably becomes more valuable in in an environment where the homes are available with multi agents. What Alice is doing is turning that on its head. So clearly, it's becoming a Um, the the opposite of that which is a a seller's led marketplace because you're chasing sole agency mandates which makes it a much more valuable proposition. Um, That uh, it is heavily regulated which I love. I have to say Mm. I think that that's the perfect scenario. It Mm. it gives credibility to the marketplace. So there's uh, higher fees involved in selling the home and so um, expectation of service I would assume from the um, consumers is significantly higher because you've got a four to six percent sales tax, uh, inclusive of VAT, and then you've got fees on the purchase side relating to circa seven point two seven point five percent, possibly even higher if there's other other things to add into that in terms of transfer fees, etc. Other than that, it's it, it there's there's similarities. Well, no, actually, the other the there's a huge difference. I think actually, just going back onto that is that the agent is clearly more um, process-orientated than in the UK. So there's a slower process to take it to the market. The marketing, I think, appears to be more bespoke and unique from what I've seen in in the marketplace over there. But very much so around um, paperwork and uh, preparation of documentation, that's hugely, uh, hugely different to the UK because the agents, quite frankly, in the UK, get a nosebleed at the prospect of having to do any paperwork and leave it to the conveyancer. And then don't like the fact that it takes them 148 days to get the exchange of contracts from sale agreed. So there are some things I think that we could learn very definitely from uh, the overseas marketplace. And having spoken to uh, friends and colleagues in Spain, I know that Spain do a lot of provision of contract work on behalf of lawyers. So that's uh, quite interesting. Was that a good summary?
0: that was a perfect summary i think you might, I need, to, you might need
2: to clip it <laughs>
0: <laughs> right well we've gone over all of the um legislative and and kind of big topics let's go into something a little bit more fun now i know ian's dying to know a bit more about some of your listings i think i want to ask about what's been some of your favorite mm-hmm. listings over the years but just yeah. quickly i wanted to mention that um at the Finding Country Awards this year you actually won best in Europe and best international operator and best property presentation award so congratulations for all of that I do think that your property presentation award absolutely is kind of the epitome of what you guys do in the French Riviera is you promote and market your properties to their absolute best and I think that's possibly what's kind of got you to that best in europe and best international operator award so congratulations for that and would you agree that you think that it's to do with your marketing and presentation and things
1: well thank you holly and i i must say we were we were very we were delighted to to get those awards and uh, and um feel a little sheepish even because the competition is is, is strong within the network so uh, yeah really grateful and delighted for those awards i think uh You know, perhaps what certainly what plays in our favor in the south of France is the properties themselves, you know, are in general beautiful, you know, they're really, there are some wonderful properties. And the other thing is because, again, going back to the fact we're dealing generally with the second homes market, holiday homes, we really, really uh, put as much into the what finding country does so well, which is lifestyle marketing. And we really kind of buy into that concept um so we stage out, we have a stager that stages our properties we, with the professional photographer as well. We do the videos. Generally, the clients are not here. You know, they they might, especially if it's second homes and it's winter here. Uh clients that are looking, we're able to then send them the videos. So, you know, different again to the UK because if you're dealing in a first homes market, the 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 new buyers might be just around the corner you know, in the next street because they're staying in the school district or whatever. So it we have the opportunity to really uh really move on and, and put our best foot forward when it comes to lifestyle marketing. And that's what we we try and do for the properties, but the properties kind of lend themselves to that. And our market also lends themselves lends itself to that. So we're lucky in that sense. Um but yeah.
0: yeah. I would I would say that you're being quite modest there, though, as well, because what you the marketing that you do do is phenomenal from four million pound villas down to like apartments that are still very expensive. But they are different type of properties, but you still give every property the same kind of exposure and the same kind of effort. So I do I do think that it's definitely well deserved on the property presentation award and, and all of them.
1: Thank you, honey.
0: So that brings <laughs> us on to I know Ian. You just want to speak a little bit about some of the listings.
2: Yeah, I've just got a question beforehand. Actually, do you get customers that instruct you because of your marketing prowess, where they just we, say, "Please, just put the house on." But you're also awesome, put it on the market.
1: We do, and we use, we also use kind of past properties that we've had uh, with the marketing approach using the the three pillars that we have at Finding Country. We use that as a uh, proof of what we can what we can provide so then it helps to to get the exclusive mandates with with sellers because yes it is it is pretty impressive and we really do make a massive
2: effort with it yeah good well done um best house you've ever sold
1: it's funny you know because the the best house for most for maybe for some people would be the most expensive and it's not necessarily for me okay. for me i i i'm a i've done real estate since i'm 21 i'm passionate about it i absolutely love what i do I, I don't think anyone could um say say otherwise it's it's just so much a part of my life but what i love about the south of france is the kind of the historical properties that we get to deal with and that's my passion so you know yeah. find me a stone bastide with some olive trees and beautiful lavender shutters and i'm i'm completely you know i'm as a real estate agent i'm completely sold on it so i mean there's a few sales that that come to mind and that stand out but that would probably be be one of them you know is more recently as a beautiful stone bastide that needed total renovation Uh, Um, just had such a soul to it and we were lucky luckily dealing with wonderful clients on both sides on an exclusive mandate could really lead both clients through the whole process i mean that's that's the other thing is again dealing in a second homes market, a lot of our clients are international clients, and so they don't they're not brought up with how things work in France. They need the hand holding, yeah. and we're quite happy to and um, able to provide that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean again, the the service that we provide, we make sure that it is complete. So, yes, I was very lucky to have wonderful clients on both sides, buyers and sellers, and just a property that was not the most expensive we've sold, but had a soul, uh, you know, that just melts my heart, you know.
2: (laughs) That's good. That is good. How many referrals do you get from agents in England or around Europe? And are other parts of Europe better at referrals than England? That's the first thing. And then secondly how many times does it happen that um, you get a buyer that comes from england and they could have been referred but weren't
1: so interesting question ian and uh we we're getting more and more referrals and working more and more with uk agents not as much as i would expect given kind of the relationship between France and the UK in terms of the of the the history of buying especially in the south of France for 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 Brits but so yes not as many as I would think Mm -hmm. and I think again it's quite interesting because on the flip side we don't have offices in the states not yet yeah and I work with quite a few agents over there and get referrals all the time.
2: Wow!
1: Good referrals, and I think it's because the US is used to the system of buyer's agent, seller's agent, and they're yes. used to representing only one party and constantly working with other agents. And yeah. they're used to that share that sharing, and that if you've yeah. got buyer, you're going to find an agent that has the property, and vice versa. Yeah. And I think it stems from that, it stems from that mentality. So I won't name the other agencies, but I work with lots of other, lots of agencies in the States and they pass me leads maybe uh, five times more than UK agents. So significantly more good quality leads as well. And then to answer your second question, yes, we've had it a number of times where we've got clients who after they've even bought or something like that, they'll say, oh yes, I know a couple of you know, year or two ago, we did actually sell in the UK with XY. So it happens, it
2: happens. And that's crazy, isn't it? Really, mm. I mean, just mm. by asking one question.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Interesting, um, I'll, I'll be even handed. Are there opportunities that you miss to refer uh, yourself in the opposite direction?
1: I'm sure there are. And we probably don't even know about it, you know, because I don't, on the flip side, I don't think they do. I think as agents, we tend to, and I'm talking very generically around the world now, we tend to get very kind of, um, you know, uh, focused on what we, on what we're doing on our own clients, on our own deals. And thinking outside of that is you have to train yourself to do it. And we try, I'm trying in, in my team to train them more and more to do it. We we, you know, when people are selling, we'll take them ex- and our international exclusive homes worldwide magazine and we'll say, look, these are where we have offices around the world. If you're thinking of, of buying anywhere else once you've sold, take a look at these, you know, let us know if we can help, we can advise you. So we're trying to put in place more and more of the a uh, referral, of a referral mentality ourselves. The Americans are fantastic at it, though, is all I would say.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, last question from me, Alice. Mm. Um, your humility will not allow you to think about of yourself in this way, but you're a trailblazer. Blazer. You are a trailblazer. You've marketed homes for a decade in a, in a fashion and in a, in a manner that other agents haven't and now they've caught up and you're constantly evolving and you're doing things differently. Your social media is on point. You're, it's excellent. What what do you see possibly as evolution of the uh, real estate sector, either in France or globally? That is a pretty big question in fairness.
1: My focus in the last couple of years. So first of all, Jan, thank you for what you've said. That's very touching. And yes, I don't feel like that, but thank you. Um, In my team, so we're a team of about 20 agents. Yeah. What I I think it's maybe against the grain. What I try and promote and believe in, in what we do is actually less is more in terms of the number of clients. I believe in that because we all have only so many hours a day. Mm -hmm. And the kind of level of service and presentation and all of that that we can offer to clients there is for each individual agent a tipping point whereby they can't actually offer more than that. It's not, it's not really doable unless they have teams under them. Um, and so, while I know a lot of agencies might say, you know, bring in all the mandates, sign mandates, sign mandates, I like to think and try and train the team in that if you want to say no to one, it's totally okay mm. because I want the properties that we do have on our books to be fantastic i want my agents to know those properties like the back of their hands because that's the only way that the buyer will have confidence in the property itself and you can't do that if you're working on major quantities or expected to have to be signing 10 mandates a month or something like that you know so i think there's like a a, um a refining that could happen, especially in, in, the, in the real estate sector, so that agents really know their products really can provide the best service because it's actually better for everybody, them as well, them as well.
2: Interesting. Polarization of model. So quantity mm-hmm. um, or quality. So, but, but uh, but the consequences of that are that if you're going to go for the quality model, you then you have to get a fee that is representative of the service that you're delivering.
1: exactly. and i I think, and I don't think we have too much time left, but I'll go quickly on to on to fees. Um, it's an interesting one. Like I said, I started in real estate at twenty one. in Cape Town and the fees there are the same it's like six seven percent if I remember correctly and I remember at the time I used to feel so guilty about charging the fees you know and I, I don't know if it's just my personality but I maybe others felt that you know sometimes feel the same other agents I used to think how on earth could I charge so much money you know I was young as well of course and had very little money so you know it's all relative but there I didn't believe in it I didn't believe that I was worth it at the time and over the years I I know and I can see the progression even when I arrived in France you know if a a seller would ask me to negotiate the fees you know I didn't necessarily believe 100% in it I didn't know yet exactly what I could do And achieve for them and what I provided for them. And so, of course, the fees would be negotiated because they can feel it. They felt I didn't believe in it. And now I believe in it so strongly. (laughs) I mean, to the depths of my soul, I know that I'm worth 6%, if not more. I mean, I I always joke with the team, I'm gonna put our I'm gonna put our prices up (laughs) because I we take, we I know what we provide, and so. I'm not willing to negotiate on it. Um, and I think that's the changing point. And that can't come for agents maybe when they first start, start in real estate. You know, It's it's a process that I've followed in my own career. And it, it's an interesting one for me, I think. And I think it's it, it comes maybe with experience. It comes with time. It comes with knowing very, very deeply what goes into every single sale and every single client, whether it's a quick one or a long one, it's worth it. You know, there's a belief behind it that is so deep. That means nowadays, you know, don't try and negotiate with me on my commission
0: because it's not going to (laughs) happen.
2: Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's, Holly, I don't know if you agree.
0: Absolutely. I think that people, people in general can learn a lot about that from uh, a lot from that not just in real estate just in life you know knowing your worth and believing that you're worth that little bit more each time until finally you're at the stage where like you said you believe in your soul that you can't be negotiated away from that
1: yeah exactly
0: (laughs) I like that well thank you Alice so much for coming on today I feel like like Ian said you two could just talk for hours I feel like there's a lot that we can all learn and I hope that our listeners have got something to take away from that, which I'm sure they have. So thank you again, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, Alice.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you to you both, and catch thank up you very with much. Pleasure.
0: Okay. Absolutely <laughs> awesome. <laughs>